All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 380, and today we are talking about books being released on September 20th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Tears of Price, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Tears hello! Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I am doing well, thank you. What's happening out in the other time zone? <laughs> um, we are enjoying a little bit of fall, which is actually kind of fun. It's gotten cool. And I went to go get pumpkins for my front porch, but it's too early for pumpkins. But I was like, is it ever really too early? Lazy pumpkins. Yeah. Um, so I got mums instead. And then I put them on the porch and the stray neighborhood cats that, that are both orange were laying <laughs> next to the mums. And my partner was like, we don't need pumpkins. We got two kitty pumpkins right out there because they're both orange. And I was like, yeah, that's right. So yeah, this is their time to shine. They you know same with my boys, like fall colors. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're fun. <laughs> but they don't go outside. Well, it would be bad for everyone. Probably, yeah, probably best for the local wildlife population. <laughs> yeah. I'm very disappointed because, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I've become obsessed with birds this summer. Like, this is the first year I've really actively tried to encourage birds to come to the yard. You know, like, I take out ads in the paper and stuff. No, but... So the <laughs> other day, I was sitting on my desk working, and my cat was, like, sitting on the corner of my desk. And all of a sudden, he just leapt from, like, the one corner of my desk, the far corner, towards the window. And so I turned my head and saw a bird I had never seen before for, like, two seconds. But in that two seconds, I was able to identify it when I, like, Googled, like, looking for it. But he, like, flew across my desk and hit the window because his bird had landed on the windowsill. But I was like... Uh, main bird looks like chickadee, yellow bum. And it turns out it was a yellow rumped warbler, which is a really cool bird. But I had never seen one before, and I wish I could have enjoyed it for a little bit longer than, you know, two seconds. Um, But, yeah, he just ruins everything. I was like, thanks for that. He's like, I was excited. I've never seen one before. I was like, same. Oh, my gosh. But it's a little sad because, you know, the hummingbirds are gone now. Which makes me very sad, and, like, most of the other birds are gone. You know, we get the house sparrows, like, all year round, but that's about it, so. And no offense to them, but there's, like, a million of them, and they all look exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, can I get a little pop of color here? That would be nice. You know, somebody, like, you know, wear a (laughs) scarf or something, but they're all just like, we're very gray and brown. Okay. (laughs) It'll be all right. Something to look forward to next year. Yes. Yes. I'm already plotting, like, what kinds of birds I want to attract this year. So this coming year, I mean. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What else? Let's see. I had a couple of author events this week, which is always fun. And I cannot stress enough how awesome it is to attend author events. And I just encourage everyone to do it because, especially virtual events, because even if you haven't read the book you have no idea what the author is going to tell you about. You learn things. Things are funny. Like, even when I'm not asking the questions, I love to watch virtual author events because, you know, it's just, it's so great. And just learning about writing and reading and everybody has different writing advice. You know, it's one of those things I love to ask authors, you know, their writing advice because nobody has the same piece, you know? Like, it's it's just yeah. so much fun. And last night, uh, I interviewed uh, Sarah Gailey, Max Gladstone, and Ryan Van Loan. And I like to ask nice. a silly question, like, at the end, like, something, like, ridiculous. 
you know, like if you could be uh, an animal, what would you be? Or like what food would you eat if you could only eat one, like one food for the rest of your life? Um, and last night I landed on uh, if you had to eat a Muppet, which one and why? Which, you know, I had this lesson <laughs> and I've asked it several times and, the, and, you know, it's always really funny. And, you know, the answers are usually like Miss Piggy or Big Bird because those are animals that we, you know, you know, Camilla, you know, that we normally eat. Uh, but last night I asked it in Sarah Gailey. Like, if you know Sarah Gailey, then you completely understand how this is one of the greatest answers ever. Uh, I said, you know, if you had to eat a Muppet, which one and why? They said, would the other Muppets see me do it? That was like, <laughs> she started laughing because like I had not given that any consideration, and they were already like thinking about it, you know, very seriously. And they settled on Kermit to establish dominance, which I just giggled about all night. So that is fantastic. So that is another great reason why you should watch author events. You know, usually they're they're free. Um, you can find them through your local bookstore or on their social media sites and all this stuff. Just, you know, books 24-7, all the time. Yeah. Any kind of information, put them in your head. <laughs> I do like, even though now people are, you know, more willing to go outside of the house and travel, that we still are doing these virtual events. Yeah. Because, yeah, that means that we still get to enjoy them from the comfort and safety of our own homes. And see people that you might not necessarily get to see because you don't have to travel totally. for them. And I get to interview people that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily get to interview, which is always awesome. We are going to talk about books that are out today now. But first, we are going to hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. All right. So my first pick for today it's, you know, fall. I like to get into the kind of scary reads, the creepy reads, and I'm kicking it off with a great one. It is The Getaway by Lamar Giles. Uh, if you've not read Lamar Giles, he's written a million books now, I think, or roughly around that, uh, including Endangered, Spin, Not So Pure and Simple. I know I've talked about a couple of his books on the show before. I love his stuff. He's an auto-read for me. This is a YA dystopian thriller Slash little bit of horror. It's set in a future where climate change has wrought destruction upon the world and food is scarce. People are limited in what they can eat each day uh, all over the place. And there's a spot in the country called Karloff Country. And it is this utopia. It's an, it's an amusement park. It's a resort. And it's a place where people can go 
and eat all they want and enjoy, you know, the weather and play in the amusement park and have a great time and sort of forget about the world outside for a while. And the main character of this book, Jay, he and his family were lucky enough to secure jobs in Karloff country, and they also get to live there. So, you know, after years of, of worrying about what they were going to do and what they were going to eat, you know, they now feel very lucky to, like, be working at this place. And he goes to school there, and then when he's not in school, he works at the amusement park. And so Jay, like I said, he works at the amusement park. He has a bunch of great friends, one of whom is the daughter of the billionaire park owner. And, you know, they're kind of, like, teenagery, you know, like... They, you know, even though they know that, like, they're very lucky to have things, they're still kind of like, you know, this isn't ideal and there's always things going on, you know, behind the scenes and they kind of get a look at it from this friend. And, you know, but they're still happy. Like, Jane and his family are happy. They have shelter and food. But then some bad things start happening. Like, slowly and then all at once, the park is turned into this corporate utopia for the rich. Like, just rich people now are living inside this utopia and not leaving. And the employees are expected to wait on them to meet all their demands night and day. And this is very different than how it was. And then one of Jay's friends disappears and her family disappears and no one is talking about what happened. And Jay and his family are about to find out that even in the end days, money gets you whatever you need. And he's trying to find out what is going on. This is a chilling exploration of racism and classism. Karloff country turns into, like, a mini version of America, basically, where marginalized and vulnerable people are exploited for the gains of the rich. Giles is an expert at storytelling and building suspense. Like I said, he's one of my auto-reads, so I picked this up without reading anything about it. Uh, it has a super creepy cover, so I was like, this is going to be great, and it was. I knew I was in for a wild ride. Uh, I want to give content warnings for classism, racism, violence, murder, and gore. I also want to mention, because I don't know if I mentioned this, but this is semi-related to amusement parks. I recently read Hyde by Kirsten White, uh, which I don't think I got to before it was published, which is an adult horror novel set in an abandoned amusement park, and I thought that was great fun. So I highly recommend that one, too, if you're looking for something scary for the Halloween season. Or this one, also great. I It's, it's for teens, but it is... A little intense, so I would say, like, older teens, uh, if you're looking for a suggestion as to what age. But it is The Getaway by Lamar Giles. That one is on order at my library, and I definitely plan on <laughs> snatching it up as soon as it comes in and is processed. <laughs> um, I really like Lamar Giles, so it looks so creepy. He's, and he's, like, he's so nice. Yeah. He's just the nicest. That's so cool. All right, my next or my first pick is The Killing Code by Ellie Marnie. And I have to give a shout out to Liberty, actually, because, um, yeah, Woo-hoo. when I do this, this show with you, you somehow always manage to, like, explode my TBR, um, especially because you will <laughs> recommend books that, like, maybe weren't on my radar or books I haven't even heard of. And you recommended... None Shall Sleep, which Ellie Marnie wrote and came out a couple of years ago in, what did you call mm-hmm. it, like, The Baby? Baby Silence of the Lambs. Baby Silence of the Lambs, which is so accurate. And that was a really, really good book. Sequel soon! Sequel soon! There is going to be a sequel? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. While you talk about it, I'll look up when exactly it is. Okay, that's awesome news. So, um, The Killing Code is Ellie's new book, which is out today, and it is a historical mystery 
um, with a queer romance at the heart. So it is set during World War II. It is set in the U.S., just outside of Washington, D.C., you know, there's a lot of World War II fiction floating around out there these days. Um, I don't, you know, particularly try to read it all or like wanting to read it all. But one of my favorite authors is Kate Quinn. And this book reminded me of like a YA version of Kate Quinn's The Rose Code. So it is set in 1943, 1944, Washington, D.C. And it is about Kit Sutherland, who, as you find out in like the very first chapter, so this is not a spoiler, she is living under an assumed identity because she is from West Virginia, a very poor family. She got this opportunity to work for a very wealthy family um, and be a companion and nurse to their teenage daughter who had a very similar name to her. And Unfortunately, this girl passed away, but right before she passed away, she was like, when I die, I want you to take over my identity and take over my stuff because like this will give you a leg up in the world. And so Kit agrees and she's planning to just like flee Washington, D.C., but she gets waylaid by um, these girls not much older than her who are like, hey, do you want a job working in the war effort? Which is how she becomes a code breaker at Arlington Hall, which um, was like the U.S. version of Bletchley Park. So she's working as a code breaker. It's been like eight months since she took on this assumed identity. Um, it's going pretty well. You know, she's still a little bit on edge about possibly getting caught, but she's learning a lot and she's helping the war effort and she's making a good money. Um, so she, one night her roommate goes out to a party and she doesn't come home. And so she gets a little nervous for her roommate. So she goes and grabs her supervisor, who's this very glamorous, um, older girl named Moya. And they go and they try to find her roommate Dot. And while they're looking for Dot, who is fine, um, they stumble upon a gruesome murder scene. And so, Moya, Dot, and Kit realize that, like, oh, gosh, this is, you know, really horrific. A girl that they worked with has been murdered. The police come, the whole shebang. The next day, a woman named Violet, who is Black and works in the segregated unit, um, comes up to Kit and was like, I heard you, you know, saw a murder scene. And, And Kit's kind of like, yeah. And she's like, well, that's not the first murder. My friend, who is also Black, was murdered a couple months ago, but the police aren't really investigating it because of racism. And of course, the police don't see any reason why the two cases should be connected. However, these four young women put their heads together, realize that there is somebody who is killing government girls. So girls who who work at Arlington Hall or work for the State Department. And um, there is a pattern. And so they take their code breaking um, skills and that code breaking mindset and they set out to solve this um, series of murders. I thought it was really well done. It's a really great mystery. I liked the idea of code breakers also solving a murder mystery. Um, There's also really great romantic tension between Kit and Moya. Um, this is just a really all around fantastically solid book. Like I really liked Nunchell Sleep, but I think I liked The Killing Code even better. So that is The Killing Code by Ellie Marnie. Out today, highly recommend. Ooh, I haven't read that one yet because I know that you were gonna to read it, and I, I am really excited to read it. I I kind of wanted like a more murdery code name Verity is what I was hoping yes. for that to be, and also. 
I lied a little bit. The sequel is not coming soon, <laughs> but it is coming. It's coming June 6th, and it is called Some Shall Break. Ooh. So that's pretty exciting. I like that. Also, that's like nine months from now, and in publishing, that is soon. Yeah, it's pretty. And, you know, in a blink of an eye, it'll be June. Like, we'll be like, what is happening? Um, so we have a little bit of a theme going on here because my first book and now my third book and your book all involve like a friend going missing. My next pick for today is The Vanquishers by Kaylin Bayron. And she is the author of This Poison Heart and Cinderella is Dead. I'm very excited because I'm doing an event next week and she is the special guest. Uh, this is her middle grade debut. It's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of story, or if you are as old as me, it is a Monster Squad kind of story. I don't know how many of you have seen that not very good movie. When I was a kid, I thought it was rad, but I watched it as an adult recently, and I was like, this is this is not very good. Um, it's also where that Stephen King Rules t-shirt comes from that everybody's always wearing. You know, it was good for its time. Anyway, moving on. This book is about a time when vampires had been real. And they lived in San Antonio, Texas, because I guess that's that's where you go. And they were all wiped out by this group of vampire hunters called the Vanquishers. Uh, and this was two decades before the events of this book take place. Which, two decades sounds like a long time, but is also not that long. But they are pretty sure now, the townspeople, that vampires are extinct. And they're not even really worried about them anymore. There used to be a lot of procedures to take and like precautions to keep yourself safe from vampires and people don't even really do those anymore and you know but again two decades not that long in you know the face of supernatural evil and the main character of the book is a young girl named Malika Boog Wilson who has grown up obsessed with the vanquishers and vampires and also her parents still take the vampire precautions, you know, like the garlic around the door and all this stuff. Um, you know, making sure people can walk into your home without being asked to come inside. And, you know, for like a middle grade kid, it's kind of embarrassing because no one else's parents still do it. But, you know, she's also like, ooh, vampires. What if vampires are still real? Uh, and Boog lives in her neighborhood with her friends Jules, whose grandmother was one of the vanquishers, and her friend Cedric, and they're just hanging out, being, you know, middle grade kids and speculating about vampires and life and all this stuff. And a new boy moves to town named Aaron. And, you know, he's living there. But then he disappears shortly after moving mm-hmm. there. And now Boog, because she's a middle grader and obsessed with vampires, begins to suspect that the vampires are back. You know, her guidance counselor is also acting kind of suspicious. And so she wonders if the two things are related. But, you know, who could it be? You know, if, who is a vampire? And why don't the adults seem concerned? So Boog decides the vanquishers need to ride again. You know, in a new format, of course, because they're in middle school. But this is just a really fun, scary book. You know, it's one of those classic, the adults are so useless. You know, they don't believe the kids. So, you know, they, the kids have to take matters into their own hands. And the kids are really great. They're really fun. And I really loved Lita, who is Jules's grandmother, who used to be a vanquisher. And it had a few great scares. And it kept me guessing about what was going to happen and, and who the villain was until the end. I do want to give content warnings for mentions of violence and death. You know, both people living and the undead. This is The Vanquishers by Kaylin Bayron. Um, that sounds delightful. It's so delightful. 
Yeah, I love Caitlin Bayron's YA books. So this is definitely also going to probably hop into my library basket (laughs) as soon as it arrives at my library. I didn't realize that it was all vampires, and now I'm more excited about this. All right, so my next pick is Rust in the Root by Justina Ireland, which is also um, sort of magical and mysterious. And um, let's see. I've been trying to figure out how to describe this book because there's like a lot of exposition in the first chapter where you're just learning about the world. And I think if you like hang with it, because it's a lot to absorb, but just just stick with it, like it's totally worth it. So the year is 1937 and it starts off in New York City. It's an alternate version of history where there is magic in the world and the it's like this this force um called the dynamism and it is kind of like this natural magical force that people can tap into and wield Um, however before the start of the book about 10 years beforehand something like affected this force it's called the blight and basically People were able to use this force to just kind of like transform things from one thing to another. Um, They were able to wield all sorts of magic. And so, of course, some people decided to like combine that magic with machinery, with technology. So when the blight happened, the magical technology stopped working. And of course, that had like this major effect on the economy. So it's now 10 years later. And our protagonist is Laura. And Laura is um, a young black woman from like the farms of Pennsylvania. And she has this dream that she wants to open up this magical confectionery shop where she will transform objects into like the most beautiful types of sweets and desserts. Um, And her older sister's kind of like that's a foolish dream. Like you should be more reasonable and stay home and and basically use your ability for good. So the thing that's holding her back aside from like, you know, racism, because it's 1937, is the fact that all mages, unless they're doing like really small and simple charms, they need to be licensed because the the, this world has blamed mages um, for the blight, basically, and especially is deeply suspicious of Black folks who are able to wield power because they've been blamed. Um, although, as Laura points out, like, man, if we actually had that kind of power, we wouldn't have Jim Crow laws in the South. But OK, go ahead and keep blaming us. So she's in New York City. She's just kind of had this really close call where she almost got arrested and got caught. And she's, you know, almost down to her last dollar. And she's really contemplating, you know, what she wants to do next. But she doesn't want to go home because she partly doesn't want to admit that she was unable to hack it and she doesn't want to have to face her sister um but also because she just wants a bigger life than what is found in pennsylvania so she um applies for a job um with um okay let me see if i get this right the bureau of the arcane conservation corps um and basically what these people are doing they're going into like the blighted areas and they're trying to repair the magical force so that they can bring the magical machines back in. And she doesn't really want to do this, but it's kind of like her only option to have a job to make money and also to potentially become licensed and to apprentice with a mage. Um, And that's where she meets somebody who agrees to take her on. They're sent 
to one of the oldest blights. And in the blights, what happens is like there's weird weather patterns. There are even like shadow beasts that are these monstrous creatures, like people fall sick, like weird stuff happens over there. And so they go there with the intent to repair the blight. But then, of course, they uncover all these really dark, awful secrets. So I really, really was intrigued by this book. Like, I think one of our fellow book writers was like, I don't have to know what it's about. That cover alone is just like, yes, give it to me. It's a great cover. I really am always very impressed with the way Justina Ireland combines like American history with fantasy. And it's just really fascinating. I liked that we were taken to the year 1937, um, which I feel like the 30s are kind of an underappreciated decade in historical fiction, especially since there's so much World War II fiction going around. It was just a really, really fascinating book. And um, I was pretty much hooked from the very beginning. It's also interspersed with like official U.S. government documents. And there's some photographs in there. Um, So it really kind of sets the scene. Um, It was really fantastic. It is Rust in the Root by Justina Ireland. Did you see that she did Die Hard spoof for her promo video for this? Yeah, she does like a John McClane and the air duct thing with the lighter. Um, It was really funny and very clever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so funny. It was adorable. Yeah, it's such a good book. I I hope a lot of people pick it up. (laughs) So those are books that we have read and recommend. Now we are going to talk about more books out today uh, that we haven't necessarily read, but we are excited about. I am going to kick it off with a book called O Caledonia by Elspeth Barker. Now, I got a galley of this, and I meant to get to it, and I lost it somewhere in the house. I don't know where it is. Oh, no. Um, And so I was like, well, that looks cool. It has an introduction by Maggie O'Farrell. That's cool. But it turns out that this is actually a gothic Scottish classic of teen literature about a young girl growing up in the mid-19th century. The first line, which I I got from the blurb, is Janet lies murdered beneath the castle stairs, attired in her mother's black lace wedding dress, lamented only by her pet jackdaw. Uh, It's about a young girl who lives in a dreary castle and lives a dreary existence, which sort of matches her family crest, which translated means dying but unconquered. Um, It's compared to We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which is why it Mm. piqued my interest, except she like literally lives in a castle. So this book was originally published in 1991, before we were really calling such books YA. Uh, It won four awards and was shortlisted for the Whitbread Prize, according to its Wikipedia page. This is Barker's only book. This is the only book that she wrote. uh, Her only novel, I should say. I I do believe she has some collections of essays. And it sounds really great. Um, Sadly, Elizabeth Barker passed away in April of this year. And apparently her daughter is also a writer, which is really cool. Um, This one is called O Caledonia by Elspeth Barker. And the new edition has an introduction by Maggie O'Farrell, who we love. And yeah, I can't wait to check it out. So yeah. Um, Why don't you tell us about your next pick, Tirza, and then we'll hear from another sponsor. Awesome. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that book. So thanks for bringing it to my attention. Um, My next pick is A Merry Little Meat Cube by Julie Murphy and Sierra Simone. I have not read anything by Sierra Simone, but I, of course, read a lot of Julie Murphy. Um, She is the author behind Dumplin'. And um, this is being billed as a 
spicy, sweet holiday romance. And I have to say, there are a ton of holiday romances coming out this fall, um, which makes my Christmas loving heart very happy. Um, And so this is like the first of many that are on my to read list. It is about um, a woman named B who is a plus size adult film star. And she's got this huge following and things are good. But then she is cast in a Christmas movie that's basically like for a Hallmark channel. Only they don't call it Hallmark channel because Hallmark channel is probably trademarked. Um, So she's making a big career switch from, you know, adult film star to family friendly, uh, you know, Christmas movie. So she's keeping her her adult film star personality and um, that identity sort of quiet. But she also discovers that her co-star is her basically her childhood crush, who's this ex-boy band member, um, who is also looking to restart his career. But they realize pretty quickly once they arrive on set, like her her crush recognizes her from her. Um, it's called closed doors, basically like an OnlyFans account, and uh, you know, so they immediately are like totally into each other. And apparently it's a very, very, very spicy romance happening on set for this very tame holiday romance movie. And it's about, you know, what happens? Because like, what possibly could go wrong, you know? Um, So I'm excited to read this. I think it sounds really fun. And I really like Christmas movies with a clever premise. And this one sounds like it's going to take some of your classic sort of favorite tropes and settings and just kind of twist them and, um, I don't know, turn it up a notch. So that is Merry Little Meet Cute by Julie Murphy and Sierra Simone. I watched an author event uh, several months ago in which they highlighted some of the upcoming titles and the authors were on there to discuss this book and they giggled a lot and just made it seem even more delightful. You know, I can't wait to read it. It was just really (laughs) funny. Um, So that is definitely on my TBR. And now, before I tell you about my next TBR pick, uh, we are going to hear from another sponsor. Okay, so last week we talked about Thistlefoot. This week we have another Baba Yaga tale. It is The Witch and the Tsar by Olsya Selnikova Gilmore. It is about the immortal witch of Russian folklore, Baba Yaga, who lives in the chicken leg house. This time around, Yaga takes on Tsar Ivan the Terrible. In this story, Yaga has been leading a solitary existence in the forest. And outside the forest in the village, Ivan's awfulness, his terribleness grows and begins to ruin everything in her country that she loves. And then she learns that his wife, her childhood friend, is dying of a mysterious illness. So she decides to come out of seclusion and do something about it. And Yaga learns that perhaps Ivan's actions are beyond his control. Something supernatural might be going on. So I read several Goodreads reviews about this book, which is not what I normally do before I read a book. I haven't read it yet. Um, and I did see that a couple said that this is not the immortal Baba Yaga that we know, uh, but is immortal instead. But then the blurb makes it sound like she is the one and only immortal Baba Yaga, so... I don't know, but either way, it sounds like great fun, and I can't wait to read it. It's The Witch and the Tsar by Olsia Salnikova Gilmore. Awesome. So, let's see here. My final pick of the day is Soulmates 
and that is spelled like S-E-O-U-L, mates. So like the city um, by Susan Lee. And um, this looks just like a really fun YA romance. It is about Hannah, who is not so into like K-pop and K-dramas, even though her friends totally are. And it's a little bit of a weird thing for her because she has spent years trying to fit in with the American side of her family and her her life and identity and not so much the Korean side. And now everybody that she knows at school just loves all the K-pop and all the K-dramas. But um, when she meets somebody who is her former best friend. His name is Jacob Kim. She hasn't seen him in years. They reconnect. And um, it turns out that he um, is a K-drama star. And he needs a little bit of a break from the fame of being in Korea. And so he comes to the United States for just kind of like a low, lying low sort of vacation. And they connect. And of course feelings start evolving. So it looks really sweet. I've been hearing nothing but wonderful things about this book for seems like months now. So I'm really excited that it's out now and I can't wait to pick up a copy. Awesome. Sorry, I was like falling off the stool again, which was the thing that was happening earlier. Did I mention that I put my back? I don't think I told her in all the talk that we had this morning, like I put my back out this morning. And so I I keep trying to, like, stretch and make it feel better and almost falling off my stool. But I have learned to mute the microphone now, so that's good. (laughs) So I am going to talk to you now about paperbacks that are coming out today. Both hardcovers that are coming out in paperback and paperback originals. Which is always exciting, because you can get two paperbacks for the price of a hardcover. I love as many books as possible. I'm going to start with Never Saw Me Coming by Vera Curian. This is a thriller about a group of students who are accepted to a college uh, only if they agree to participate in a study. That study, it is about psychopaths. These students, they are psychopaths, but now one is dead, and of course, who is going to get blamed for this murder? Out of the Shadows, Six Visionary Victorian Women in Search of a Public Voice by Emily Midorikawa. This is a nonfiction about six women with supposed clairvoyant abilities during the time of Queen Victoria. How High, That High, stories by Diane Williams. This got all the great reviews last year. Diane Williams is, I like to call one of those writer's writers, like all the writers that you love and know, like they love Diane Williams. You know, like they love Joy Williams. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact they both are named Williams. Um, And this is her most recent collection now in paperback. The Family Chow by Lan Samantha Chang, which I know is a Book Riot favorite. This is a literary mystery about a decades-old Chinese restaurant in a small Wisconsin town and the family that owns it. When the three sons all return to town and the father is found dead, who is responsible? The Last House on Needless Street by Katrina Ward, about a woman whose sister went missing when she was young, who becomes obsessed with a man who lives at the end of a street. The Dead and the Dark by Courtney Gould, about weird things going on in the town of Snakebite, Oregon, and a paranormal reality show that arrives to check it out. Cora's Kitchen by Kimberly Garrett Brown. This is a paperback original. The rest of these are going to be paperback originals. Uh, It's set in 1928 Harlem about Cora James, a 35-year-old black librarian who dreams of being a writer. 
The Lost Century by Larissa Lai. I'm going to read from the publisher description here. This is a sprawling historical novel about war, colonialism, and queer experience during Japan's occupation of Hong Kong during World War II. Larissa Lai has won Lambda Awards, most recently wrote The Tiger Flu. Very excited about this one. Drunk on Love by Jasmine Guillory. Guillory is the author of The Wedding Date, The Proposal, by the book. This one is about a woman who is running her family's winery with her brother, who goes out one night to blow off some steam, ends up having a one-night stand, thinking she'll never see the guy again, and shows up for work the next day to find out he is the winery's newest employee. The Kiss Curse by Aaron Sterling. This is the follow-up to The X-Hex, which is so much fun to say. Uh, the stars of the first book are back and must take on a new group of witches. Best Debut Short Stories 2022, the Pen America Dao Prize by Yuka Igarashi and Sarah Lynn Rogers. Just exactly as advertised, great short stories. I know that some of the Book Riot fam really loved this collection and I'm looking forward to reading it. Something in the Air, H-E-I-R, by Suzanne Enoch, about an heiress who tells a fib in order to secure her estate. So Tall It Ends in Heaven, Poems, by Jamie Ringleb. This is out from one of my favorites, Tin House. It's one of the big poetry books of 2022. Lambda Literary named it the most anticipated September LGBTQIA literature. And also looking forward to this one. And also out today is the sixth book... Well, no, I, I take that back. It's the fifth book in the Vanderbeeker series by Karina Jan Glazier. We love Karina, Book Riot family. Uh, the fifth book is out in paperback today called The Vanderbeekers Make a Wish. It's about a family who lives on 141st Street in Brooklyn, and they have all these adventures. And also out today, I should mention, is the sixth book, which is what I tried to say at the beginning. Uh, the Vanderbeekers on the Road is out in hardcover today, and they go on a trip. So those are some amazing books out in paperback now. And those were some amazing books that we have read and are excited about. And I really can't believe I can continue to say words at this point. So Tuza, what are you going to read next? All right. So right now I'm in the middle of reading Dirt Creek by Haley Scrivener, which is an Australian set mystery. Mm -hmm. And I'm really enjoying it. I think if you like um, Jane Harper, definitely will like this, um, this mystery. It's basically about the disappearance of a girl in a small town. And it's told from multiple perspectives, like the adults in her life, the kids in her life, but then also the detective who arrives from the big city to investigate um, the disappearance. And the detective is, uh, she's queer. She's just broken up with her girlfriend. She's, you know, really upset about it, but trying not to let that affect her job performance. Um, And what's really interesting about this book is it basically takes place, most of it takes place over like this one weekend and so it's told from tons of different perspectives and there's like lots of weaving back and forth so i'm enjoying it a lot um and then next i'm going to read the weight of blood by tiffany d jackson because i love tiffany d jackson can't wait to read this book it's so much fun she also like on her pub day last week she dressed up like and had a prom because it's you know a kind of a riff on carrie um, and that was just hilarious to see online. Just looked amazing and so much fun. I love it when authors do special things for their release day. Yeah. I am going to read Lone Women by Victor Laval, which I just got and I don't know anything about it. 
but I love him. I love the changeling. I love Ballad of Black Tom. And looking at the blurb right now, uh, it says, Adelaide Henry carries an enormous steamer trunk with her wherever she goes. It's locked at all times because when the trunk is opened, people around her start to disappear. I know it's uh, set in the American West in the early 20th century, so... Uh, you know, one of my favorite time periods, and I love Victor Laval, and I love horror, so I'm very excited for this one. It comes out March 21st of next year. And that is it for us today, book lovers. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, Queen of the Cats. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find us online, Tears of Hangs Out, on Twitter at Tears of Price. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us, and we thank you so very much. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.